all part of our happy, happy family. With wonderful, brave characters. And terrifying villainy. Now all of us, your princesses, have happily agreed upon the, the welcoming of Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan. Well, thanks, you guys. But I don't really know how to be a Disney princess. We'll teach you. A princess must be kind. A princess must be sweet. With elegance refined, you must refuse to ever eat. Yes, watch how much you weigh. That way you will stay small in every way. Till you're old and gray. A princess must be good. She must know right from wrong. She does the things she should. Of course she does them in a song. Singing is the key. Do take it from me. Make sure you're in key. Let your voice be free. How did everybody like that? Did you understand it? That's, of course, uh, a little video musical from uh, some great guys on YouTube uh, celebrating Princess Leia as now part of the Disney uh, princesses. <laughs> of course, that is in relation to the big announcement more than a week ago now about uh, George Lucas selling Lucasfilm to Disney and new Star Wars movies, which we're going to be, or I'm going to be talking a little bit today on the show. I haven't had a chance to comment on that uh, officially on the podcast. But I'm Rico, and you're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi, the Disney Princess Podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, today uh, it is uh, November the 11th, 2012. This is going to be podcast 410. And we're going to be covering mainly the DS9 episode, Statistical Probabilities, which is tricky to say early on a Sunday morning, but I'll, I'll just sort of, you know, motor on through that. Uh, yes, that is uh, it's from season six, and it's kind of a Bashir episode about those uh, sort of, you know, genetically engineered people that he meets up with and tries to help and stuff. So that will be coming up here. I'm going to play the episode and comment as we go. Talk about the this obviously this Star Wars Disney thing. Also talk about Cloud Atlas, the new Bond movie, and much more coming up here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. All right, welcome again, everyone, to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. So much to talk about. So much has happened in the last couple of weeks. First, I want to say thanks so much to Al and Brian for doing that very cool and very fun Prometheus podcast uh, last week. The Alien Boys were back 
covering uh, the most recent sort of alien movie, you know, with touches of things from the alien films, I I guess technically a prequel, uh, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, 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 you know, I saw it and I thought it was more of a, I mean, there are certainly alien elements in there, but it's it's almost a standalone movie in a way. I believe that these uh, sequels to the prequel, sequels to the prequel, sequels to Prometheus, that that they are uh, they're doing at least what is it at least one and, and maybe two? Is that the way it's working right now? I'm sure every movie with that uh, will you know if it continues to to make money, they'll they'll make another. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a little more alien it stuff in the next but and thanks again you guys for doing that all right the the big story the one i kind of opened the the show with with that little humorous disney princess uh musical video which you got to watch and 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 listen to the whole thing over on youtube just search for uh princess leia disney princess and these guys put together this great video with these uh very talented and uh lovely girls in costume and and, and shot it uh uh, in New York, and it, I guess it was a really cold day. There's a behind-the-scenes video. It's got a huge number of views on YouTube, but it's it's really well well worth watching and funny and and well done. You know, the great thing I like about YouTube is it allows guys who who have a, an idea like that with some fairly you know easy to get uh, video equipment and some editing tools on their PCs and that to just put something together like that with some talented people and and it's really wonderful and I, I like it a lot so, so watch the whole thing and, and give those guys you know a click the like button on YouTube or whatever and uh, but um, so the big news was uh, George Lucas you know more than a week ago I think it was just before Halloween. And I haven't, uh, you know, done a show since my Halloween show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, George Lucas made the completely out of the left field, completely out of the ballpark kind of announcement that he was uh, going to be selling Lucasfilm and the rights to Star Wars, basically, uh, to the Walt Disney Corporation. And not only that, that would have been just, you know, a pretty big amount of news right there. But then have, having them immediately, not not waiting a month, a year, whatever, but immediately then also announcing that they are doing more Star Wars movies. The the story goes right now is, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 10 movies, starting with Episode 7, and probably, most likely, most people assume that it would be 7, 8, and 9, like another trilogy uh, to uh, be post-Return of the Jedi, uh, to kind of cap things off there, and... Uh, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I you know, at first when I first heard about it, and I, and I basically heard about it that evening by popping on my forum, the Trucks and Sci-Fi forum, and some everyone sort of chattering about, you know, and I had a, I think I had a pretty busy day at work if I remember correctly, and and it, you know, they're all like, oh my gosh, you know, where's Rico? He's got to hear about this, and I thought. At first, when I first saw some of those posts, I thought we finally got a Star Trek trailer. Of course, no, we don't have that yet. But uh, no, it was this announcement of, of Disney and Lucasfilm. And, you know, as some people know, not everyone knows, but way, way back in the day, way back in the early days of Star Wars when the first film came out, you know, George Lucas had some stories and articles written in interviews, and there was especially one that I always remember, and I still have the the copy of it somewhere here in the house. Uh, there was a Rolling Stone magazine article uh, with George Lucas where he outlined and talked about this idea of, of doing all these films. This was just, again, like I said, right when the first Star Wars movie came out. Uh, 
and he talked about having uh, having uh, movies going up through you know another trilogy maybe even a further trilogy and it was outlined he even talked about what happened with luke's father and vader and actually it was changed in that article it's it's a great article you can probably find it online just search for george lucas interview rolling stone 1977 i believe um but he even at that point in time dave uh, darth vader uh spoiler uh, was not luke's father there were basically three jedi there was obi-wan there was vader and there was luke's father and you know vader and luke's father were not one and the same person Vader kills Luke's father and Obi-Wan goes after, you know, Vader and all that stuff. So that is um, more like what Obi-Wan tells Luke in the first movie. But I'm kind of giving you a lot more information than you really need. But the point is, Lucas always way, way back in the early days had this idea of doing further Star Wars films. But in recent years, you know, he said, well, no, it ended with the story of Anakin and Vader, and and that kind of ended the whole series with the six films that we do have. But I think as George Lucas is, is getting a little older and, is, you know, he's been talking retirement and that, he, you know, he decided he, he wanted to give, I think, uh, you know, he not only, I think, wanted to give the fans more, more Star Wars, but I think he wanted the whole you know, franchise to continue and to continue in good hands, as he says in, in some of the interviews that are out there with, with Disney and and this Kathleen Kennedy that's taking over kind of the running of really the franchise, that, uh, you know, he, he decided that, uh, you know, he's got ideas. He had ideas from way back then. He's sort of passing them over to Kathleen Kennedy and Disney of these story treatments and, and, and scripts and bits of things that he had mapped out long time ago before he basically started telling everyone, no, it was going to end with Return of the Jedi. And they are going to take that stuff and make some new Star Wars movies, maybe pull in a few elements from the EU and all the books, but probably more original stuff. You know, it's going to be an original story, but I think some of the stuff in the EU will be pulled in. Stuff like, you know, Luke and Leia being getting married, having kids that's a kind of a logical extension of uh of things to come you know luke becoming this master jedi kind of training probably a new group of jedi becoming kind of the obi-wan slash yoda character uh and uh and so forth so yeah it's it you know cool exciting i i mean it's great i think that uh, it's in good hands i think we're going to get some cool movies I, you know, there's there's people, of course, all over the, you know, the realm of the, the reactions to this. Everyone saying Disney's going to kidify it even more and it's just going to become a merchandising thing and it's going to be junk and all that. And I, and I think there's probably one big reason I think that that probably really won't happen too much. A couple of things. One, I think that it, it's pretty widely known that most people weren't super happy with the prequels. I mean, I think even George Lucas probably realizes the original trilogy deep down. I think he enjoys that and thinks it's a better set of films. Um, but um, so I think they know what they don't want to give people. I think he can make a good movie and still make it fun for kids. The original trilogy, a lot of kids grew up with that and enjoyed it as kids and as adults. So there's no reason why you have to make it uh, uh, you know, very, very kid-oriented, uh, you know, uh, but the the other thing is is I think they these are people they, they keep talking about them wanting to get people working on these new movies who love Star Wars who grew up with Star Wars and I think those people will take the care with it and do the right thing and we'll get some good stuff so uh, a couple uh, you know new facts that have come up just recently 
there's a, a writer named Michael Arndt. I think that's how you say his last name, A-R-D-N-T. He wrote Toy Story. He wrote uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Is that the name of that movie? I, I saw that movie. I think that's the name of it. Anyway, he's, uh, he's a Hollywood writer. He's a Star Wars fan. He had a, uh, a treatment for a Star Wars movie. Anyway, and and he has been named officially as of the last couple of days to write the Star Wars Episode Seven that's targeting a 2015 release. So that has come out. They don't have a director yet. I think that's probably going to still take a little time, although there are a lot of big-name directors that have already said no, they're not interested. Steven Spielberg says no, he's not really interested. He said it's not his genre to work in. Uh, and uh, Quentin Tarantino... That's another name that was tossed around. He said he's not interested. He's not interested in doing a Disney Star Wars film. Uh, Zack Snyder, who is the director of uh, Watchmen and the New Man of Steel movie next for next summer, he said he's not really interested. Uh, Joss Whedon is another name that's been thrown around, but he's going to be working on a, the next Avengers movie that's also coming out in 2015. You know, 2015 right now, which is about two and a half years away, not really that far, we are getting a uh, the next Avengers movie. We are supposed to be getting a Justice League movie. And now we're getting Star Wars Episode Seven. I mean, talk about uh, mega blockbuster summer of films. I mean, can you can you think of anything bigger than that? I mean, that this past summer was pretty big. I mean, we had Batman. We had Avengers. We, we had Spider-Man. I mean, we had a lot out this summer. But I don't think... Uh, this 2015 summer, you know, that's that's something. Next summer is going to be great, of course. We have Trek. We have Man of Steel. We have Iron Man 3. I mean, you know, the summers, these movies are getting bigger and bigger. And Sometimes it amazes me that uh, we live in this, you know, great age of films. So, all right, that's about all I want to say about that. I mean, I, I don't have I'm, – I'm excited by it. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I'm very excited that we're going to get more Star Wars live action on the big screen. I never really thought it would happen. Frankly, I had kind of given up. I, I was taking Lucas at what he said and, and said he did, you know, he, you know, he played a pretty much an Obi-Wan card where he said, you know, all I said is I'm not going to make any more Star Wars movies, but he isn't. Other people are going to do it. He's going to be on as a creative consultant, which is a good thing. They really couldn't just push him completely to the side. I mean, I, 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 I would think it's ridiculous if they have questions or want George's opinion about the script or, or certain elements that it would be silly for them to not consult with him. Uh, how much that's going to involve him into the movies, I don't think it's going to be a huge amount, but I, I, I think it'll be enough to, you know, keep it, keep it, you know, in what Star Wars should be. And George, George has always been, you know, great with the vision and the imagination. I think he, he's better when he gets good people helping him and working on things like he did with more with the original trilogy. And with these movies, I think it's going to be even better. So I'm, I'm super excited, super pumped. I think it's going to be great. And we don't have that long to wait. And they're, they're targeting, they're saying you're only going to be maybe a two-year gap between the movies. You know, that's what they're shooting for, rather than the old three-year gap between films. I think if they were going to do this right, and, you know, supposedly they're going to get Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford trying to get them back, I think they should just film 7, 8, 9 all at the same time, kind of Lord of the Rings style, film all the movies all at the same time, and then just release them every couple of years. Or, you know, I, I just... These movies are going to make a ton of money. They don't need to worry about... Are they going to do well enough to justify other films? These movies are going to make a ton of money. So, you know, hey, guys, film them all at the same time. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull together scripts and, and everything and, in, you know, and get it all 
to the point. Maybe what they'll do is they'll do seven and then they'll come together again shortly thereafter and film like eight, nine at the same time. That could be a possibility. So we'll see what happens. It's exciting. And uh, I'm going to take a short break, grab some tea, and I will talk a little bit about my uh, impressions of two movies I saw recently, Cloud Atlas and Skyfall. Some men are coming to kill us. We're going to kill them first. Skyfall, rated PG-13, in IMAX November 9th. Yeah, so there was uh, a little TV spot for the new James Bond film, Skyfall, which uh, I saw yesterday. But first, I'm going to go back in time about a week and talk just a little bit about Cloud Atlas. I, I saw that movie uh, last weekend. Uh, just, it's, Cloud Atlas is really a tricky, excuse me, tricky movie to explain. It basically, if you've seen some of the previews and commercials, it, it involves uh kind of multiple time periods it involves multiple characters but the the characters are played by a, a core kind of group of actors they're basically in other words there are actors like Tom Hanks and, and Halle Berry that are in the movie that play multiple roles multiple parts and it's it's a really interesting film it's it's done by the Wachowskis uh and they worked on, of course, uh, the Matrix films, and it's 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 an ambitious and and really kind of interesting and crazy kind of movie. It's based on a book. I don't know that much about the book or how close the book follows or the movie follows the book. I don't really have uh, much information on that. I enjoyed the movie. It's a little long. It's about three hours long, but uh, I, I found it really compelling and, and interesting to watch. I don't want to say too much. I think it's a cool movie. It's 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 unlike uh, most other movies that you'll ever see. I think it's very different, and I think that's going to appeal to some people who like movies and like different kinds of things in movies, and and see a lot of them, and maybe aren't uh, you know don't want to just see another action movie or another drama or another comedy or whatever. But this, uh, it's it's probably a movie that's not going to appeal to everyone. I will say that I, I found it really uh, a beautiful movie, uh, well worth seeing in the theater. There's some pretty cool stuff in it, especially when they show the future, uh, which is mostly set in, in Asia and China and that, and uh, or is it Korea? I can't remember. <laughs> it isn't that I can't remember, but they don't really make a big point out of that in the movie. It's just the future, it, and and uh, but. Uh, it's it's really cool. I, I again, I don't want to say too much, but I think there's some interesting messages in the movie too, and and it was really interesting to see the different people play different roles. I, I think you have a solid group of actors that that play a lot of different parts in this movie. So, okay, enough about Cloud Atlas. Uh, again, uh, well worth seeing to me in the theaters if you like movies and looking for something different. Uh, James Bond Skyfall. Yesterday I went to see that with Mark and. and uh, to an afternoon showing, and uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a uh, a very 
old school Bond kind of movie, I think. Uh, I'm not going to say, again, too much to spoil it or anything like that. I, I just say a few kind of basic impressions of it. Uh, first off, Daniel Craig continues to be a great James Bond, I think. I think he's really slipped into and is real comfortable in the role now. In this in this movie, it shows quite a bit. He, he, he looks a little bit more relaxed at times. Uh, and, and it's just it just seems to fit him better now than I think in the earlier ones even though I, I loved Casino Royale especially I think that's still probably my favorite maybe if I had to order them although I just saw Skyfall maybe if I watch it again in a couple of times it's still a great movie uh, but something about that first one with with Daniel Craig and and it just really still gets me going and uh, Anyway, uh, Skyfall, uh, what else? Uh, you know, there's some amazing, of course, action pieces. You've seen some of that stuff in the previews. Uh, there, There's a great um, group of people here, great cast, as always, great music. Uh, it's, it's just a cool movie. And, and when I say it's old school, there's, it's a pretty simple plot. You got a villain who's who's just kind of a nut job, but, he, but he's really creepy kind of too and and he's and he's really good he's he's not uh you believe that he is crazy enough he's kind of uh one of the people on the forum brian made this point i believe and i'll i'll completely agree with him he's kind of that creepy heath ledger joker kind of creepiness a little bit not not quite as much as heath ledger as the joker of course because uh, that's kind of a comic book movie, so I think you can go a little further. But but he's got this sort of weird, slimy, creepy factor to him, the villain, that I, I, I think works. Javier, uh, or ha- Javier, that's how you say it, Javier. You don't say the J in Spanish. Javier Bardem, is that how you say his last name? He is the villain here. They, they dyed his hair all blonde, which makes him look kind of even creepier and more villain-like. <laughs> I don't know what is his villains and their weird hair that they usually have. I mean, think about it. Lex Luthor, you know, and, and, and just, you know, the, the, there's a lot of uh, villains in movies that have weird hair. Of course, Heath Ledger as the Joker did. Um, but then it, it's a cool movie and there's just, you know, it's very slick and very straightforward. There's, there's not, sometimes Bond movies of the past have become so complex and, and convoluted that you, you really had a hard time kind of following some of it, but the, you're not going to have any trouble following this movie at all. So, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, Daniel Craig is great. He, he really really fits the role well i'm glad to hear that they're making at least i think two more movies with him he's been signed for so and i hope we don't have as long of a wait what was it four or five years this time between bond movies so i hope that their wait is not as long as the next time so uh so that's about it for the two films that i've seen at the theaters in the recent uh, weeks uh there isn't a whole lot of trek stuff to talk about uh, not really that much uh, going on. There are comics. Uh, I will mention again, uh, and I've posted this on the forum, and I believe on our Facebook Trucks and Sci-Fi group. Please join the forum and the group on Facebook if you like. Uh, also, if you want to join the forum, you'll have to email me treksf at gmail.com to get a uh, to get an invite there. So, but what I was going to say about the about Star Trek is that TNG is going to be in the theater celebrating the season two blu-ray release that's coming up here in early december this season two set on blu-ray is coming out and on november 29th for one night only and i think it's just u.s theaters right now but there's a list floating around i think you can search on fandango or like i said check the links on the on the facebook page or on the forum 
for movie theaters that are showing a couple episodes from season two. I think it's The Measure of a Man and I think Q Who. I think those are the two episodes, if I remember right, along with some extra little features. They did this for the season one release back in, um, I think it was September, right? Uh, or was it August? September? I think it was September. Uh, and uh, that was cool. And they're going to have now a season two one and hope they continue to do this. It's really fun to see TNG in the theaters. So that is coming up in uh, at the end of this month. And the only other really into darkness news, J.J. Uh, Abrams has been talking about that he's working on editing the movie. And they, um, they're they saying that Star Trek Into Darkness is going to be, the sound is going to be released in this thing called uh, this new Dolby's new Atmos sound format. Uh, it's, it's, I guess, a new, uh, uh, let's see, I'll read a little blurb here. Dolby Atmos is a brand new audio technology that can have up to 64 channels, 61 channels of audio and three subwoofer channels, uh, which allows for much more granular and thus realistic presentation of sounds all around the theater. Uh, Hollywood Studios, Pixar, 20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers are, are all kind of adopting this format. I'm not sure what it means for movie theaters and what they will need to do to to be able to to fully utilize this this type of um, thing. But uh, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, and the last bit of Trek thing that I wanted to talk about uh, was that uh, the new um, CD set of all the original uh, Star Trek original series Star Trek music coming out from La La Land Records, La La Land Records, uh, uh, in early December. Boy, we're going to have a couple of big Star Trek things. Season 2 Blu-ray for TNG and this this 220 some dollars uh, T, uh, TOS CD soundtrack set coming out uh, at the beginning of December. But they're doing a big event at uh, the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood on the 3rd of December, I think it is, the day before the release of the CD cd sets that are coming out so uh anyone out in the california hollywood area if you want to go to something cool check that out uh, and that is it for news we're already half into half hour into the podcast we had a lot to talk about so let's get into the ds9 episode right now for you to listen to and i'll comment statistical probabilities all right here we go with the episode statistical probabilities Am I the only one here? Is that it? Hmm, hmm, is that it? Am I the only one who sees? Hmm, 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 hmm? And what is that incessant noise? Calm down. Am I talking too fast, Doctor? I'm having trouble keeping up? Hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't want to see you get upset, Jack. Please don't leave us here, Carol. Please. It's only for a few weeks, Patrick. You know why they brought us here, don't you? Why they carted us halfway across the quadrant? experiment on us. Stop it, Jack. Oh, they want to find out what makes our genetically engineered brains tick. They're going to cut our heads open and see what comes out. <laughs> He's just trying to scare you. Don't listen to him. Now, I told you why I brought you here, remember? To meet that doctor, Dr. Bashir. You know, the handsome one. He was genetically enhanced when he was a boy, just like all of you. No, no. He's not like us. I never saw him at the Institute. He wasn't locked away mm -mm, for being too smart. Mm -mm. He's passed himself off as normal. He's Mr. Normal Starfleet Man, mm -hmm. Mr. Productive Member of Society. Well, maybe we can learn to be just like him. Wear little uniforms, hmm? Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. I don't like it here. It's going to be all right. I like Jack. He's, he's probably my favorite of these. It's like he's drank, you know, 50 cups of coffee. He's crazy. No. This is not happening. No, 
It is happening, Jack, and you're going to have to try to make the best of it. I'm going to make the best of it. See the way he's looking at me? He's in love with me already. Give me that. I want to go home. It's him. See that? That's what I'm going to do to your boyfriend. <laughs> give me the pad. Oh, give me the iPad, you mean. And he cuts uh, sorry. the Starfleet woman here. What's her name? I forget. You did it on purpose because you're upset, but there are better ways of dealing with being upset. I'll work on it. All right. Well, I'll see you all in a few weeks. Patrick, it's fine. It's fine. Bye, Serena. Yeah, Serena's the one in this episode that doesn't say, I think, anything. You all right? It's, it's nothing, just another run-in with Jack. Like I said in my report, don't turn your back on him. Oh, we better get you down to the infirmary. I'm fine. You go on in. They're about as ready to meet you as they'll ever be. I just hope you have better luck getting through to them than I've had. This episode of Deep Space Nine brought to you by Rico and Trex and Sci-Fi. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Now, this is uh, from Season 6, the ninth episode uh, of Season 6 of DS9. It first aired back on November 22nd, so we're in the right month. Uh, in 1997, though, so what is that, 15 years ago? Is that right? Wow, 15 years. And... Uh, yeah, this episode I think is really interesting. Remember, of course, we eventually learned that Bashir has been genetically uh, altered and engineered so that uh, they bring this group of individuals to him because he's sort of like one of them and they think that maybe he can get through to them and, you know, work out with these very highly intelligent people in order for them to maybe make some kind of contribution, useful contribution to the Federation. That's kind of the overall story. This, uh, let me see, the teleplay is by Rene Ajavarara, however you say that guy's last name, Rene. He's he's a regular writer on Deep Space Nine. Story by Pam Pietroforte. Boy, the names are troubled today. But the director, though, the director of this episode is the easy name to say. It was directed by Anson Williams. Yes, for, for old-time, I'm not going to say old-timers, for people that remember the the 70s TV show Happy Days, Anson played Potsy, and later on, when he moved away from acting, started doing a lot of directing. So Anson William directed this episode, and I think does a really interesting good job with it. There's a lot of little touches that I'll talk about as we go through this episode, uh, but things that he does with this episode, like you'll notice the character of Lauren, who's the one that's kind of in love with Bashir. She never really stands up much in this episode. There's a scene, I think, where they dance, but that's about it. She's always laying down kind of like this, you know, like intergalactic prostitute or something. Anyway, here we go back to the episode. Dr. Lowe's report, that's all. Dr. Lowe, that's who it was, yeah. Hello, Serena. What is he talking to her for? He read the reports. She won't answer you. Didn't you read the reports? Hmm? Hmm? Would anyone mind if I turned on the lights? Would anyone mind if he turns on some lights? Go ahead, we're not mole people, you know. Computer lights. 
Hello. Lawrence. I know what you're thinking, Julian, but I'm not that kind of girl. Bashir, was it? Rings about, rings about Brazil. Bashir, 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 Bashir. Ah, ah, got it, got it. Fifteenth uh, century port, Singh Al Bashir. Any relation? Mm -hmm. Yes, actually. His work was totally derivative. He was a plagiarist. You knew that. You, you, you had to know that. Yet you come in here bragging about it anyway. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're the one who brought it up. Well, what was I supposed to do? Just let you get away with it? Mm -hmm. That noise! Tell me, Doctor, what kind of enhancements did your parents have done to you? Mental abilities, mostly. But they had my hand-eye coordination, reflexes, and vision improved as well. Can so, you do that? So Jack mm -hmm. just did a little backflip. Yeah. What happened? To uh, show him. Your parents couldn't afford the full overhaul? Mm -hmm. He turned out all right. You're not exactly known for being very discriminating, hmm? Turned you down, didn't I? And you're still regretting it! Cube root of 329. What is it? 6.903. Very good. And you didn't even use your fingers. He's a mutant, just like the rest. I always thought Lauren no, no, looks no, a lot like, like Dax. She, ha she has a very similar look. Did you pass as normal? Is that true? My genetic status was discovered a year ago. How'd you manage to hide it for so long? I did my best not to exploit my abilities. Mm -hmm. So no one would suspect. Very clever. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. That's not right. There are reasons why DNA resequencing is illegal. There are reasons why people like us are barred from serving in Starfleet. We have an advantage. Normal people can't compete. It's not fair. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should have said something sooner. There are rules. Uh, uh, don't talk with your mouth full. Don't open an airlock when somebody's inside it. And don't lie about your genetic status. No, no, no. You did. You lied. You lied. And, and then when you got caught, you cut a deal with Starfleet. You, you got yourself off the hook. If you told the truth, you could have lived with us at the Institute. Mm, he's right, you know. Then they would have put you away. <laughs> they don't put people away for being genetically engineered. No, 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 no. They just won't let you do anything that's worth doing. No, no. They are afraid that people like us are going to take over. Well, it happened before. People like us did try and take over. Oh, no, no. I knew you were going to do that. I knew that you were going to trot out the eugenics war. I'm not trotting out anything. All I'm saying is there's a good reason why we've been barred from certain professions, but that doesn't mean we can't be productive members of society. Yeah, here it comes. The we can still contribute speech. No, 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 no. I will not forget what was done to me. I will not be a part of a society that put me away from being too smart. No, no. All right, then. It says that you have all the answers already. I'll spare you the speech. I'm having dinner with some friends. What, you think we don't eat? We eat. We're going to eat right now. Mm. Y yum, yum. Mm. I'll go set the table. <laughs> so, if, you know, Julian here... Don't worry about us. We'll be fine. You know, one of the things I think he tries to get across to them is that they don't have to to be like this, that they, you know, with a little bit of, you know, some certain manners and things, they can blend in a little better. How do you mean? My parents managed to find a decent doctor to perform the DNA resequencing on me. These four weren't so lucky. They all suffered unintended side effects. By the time they were five or six, their parents were forced to come forward and admit they'd broken the law so that their children could get treatment. Perhaps they waited too long. Yeah, there was nothing the doctors at the Institute could do for them. These cases are so rare. There's no standard treatment. I can't imagine it was a very stimulating environment for them. That's what Dr. Lowe saw when she first came to the Institute. She got permission to separate them from the other residents so that she could work with them. Why did she bring them here? She thought they might respond 
meeting someone like them who was leading a normal life. She was also hoping that one day they might be able to live on their own and be productive. Well, that's how they don't become too productive. Might make the rest of us look bad. It is not a laughing matter. If people like them are allowed to compete freely, then parents would feel pressure to have their children enhanced so they could keep up. That's precisely what prompted the ban on DNA resequencing in the first place. Giving them a chance to contribute doesn't necessarily mean sanctioning what was done to them. They didn't ask to have their DNA tampered with. They were only children. And why should they be excluded just because their parents broke the law? You're right. Not quite fair. Again, this is very Star Trek-like, very, so, you know, these ethical dilemmas. It seemed like a good way to discourage genetic tampering. Besides, it's not as if we're trying to exclude them from anything. We're just talking about you know, limiting what they're allowed to do. Like joining Starfleet. Exactly. Are you saying that I shouldn't be allowed to wear this uniform? No, you are an exception. An exception? I should be used to that. I've been one all my life. First because of the DNA resequencing, and now because I've been allowed to join Starfleet. Perhaps I should not have said anything. No. That's all right. You'd think that they'd almost want them in Starfleet or want them their help well, since they're so smart and so, you know, have these abilities. But, of course, is going to say in speech. these eugenic Nothing wars. Nothing we're going to like, I'll bet. It should be starting any minute. If he's going to announce another new battle offensive... It's going to spoil dessert. Can you hear me? Uh, hello, calling Dr. Bashir. <laughs> Jack. Jack. Hello, anybody there? Mm -hmm. Did you give Nothing them access to the comm system? Hello? No, hello? they must have broken in Dr. somehow. Mm -hmm. oh. I'd love to stay and chat about our impending doom, but... One of the things that came out with Bashir originally was, you know, how much genetic enhancement can they, should they do for kids? Like, if you have a birth defect, should they fix it? You know, that's a genetic enhancement. Very cute engineers came by and said there was nothing wrong. Is it a kind of high-pitched whine? Yes! Thank God! See, I told you we weren't crazy. They're hearing a noise that most people can't hear in their quarters here. Now, do something about that noise or I will snap her neck. And he grabs the uh, the one that's mute. What is her name again? Uh, Serena? I called Chief O'Brien. Now let her go. Maybe I'll wait until he gets here. If you don't let her go. Yeah, I'll Serena. The noise went away by itself. You think I want to be doing this? I'm just making sure things get done. Unbelievable. This is the thanks I get. Are you all right? <sighs> Come in. Miles, I wonder if you could find out what's making that noise. I know, you can't hear it, but it's there. Probably a sympathetic vibration of power coupling or something. Well, you know, you're right. Well, why don't you fix it, dear fellow, dear fellow? Well, why don't you fix it before I go mad? He's married. Too bad. Something's wrong with the playback here. It's like accelerated here. I'm going to pause right. the video just for a second. I was just thinking that. Almost finished. There we go. Okay, I fixed it. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think I accidentally clicked something and Finally. sped up the video for a minute. Much better. Thank you, Chief. Fellow citizens, these are great days for Cardassia. Together with our Dominion allies, we have given our enemies cause to 
fear us once more. Can't argue with that. Who's he? It's Damar, the new head of the Cardassian government. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. He's sad. Ashamed is more like it. Why do you say that? Shh. We are poised to make another bold step to ensure our future. Peace. Looks like a man who doesn't sleep. He thought I heard a voice cry, sleep no more. <laughs> Damar does murder sleep. He's killed someone. Someone close to him. Tim Ranson plays Jack in this, is and and he was given the you know, be very excitable and be kind of like you're hyped up on caffeine is one of the directions that Anson Williams gave him. I challenge the Federation to answer my call for peace. I am ready at any time to meet with its representatives to discuss how we can put an end to hostilities. As your leader, pretender, I you don't belong on that throne, and you know it. In my power to protect Cardassia. Someone's making him say all this. He doesn't want to. Into a new era. This I vow with my life's blood. For my sons. For all our sons. Patrick is uh, Michael Keenan. Any of you know who Damar was before today? No, no, no. But it's obvious who he is. Uh, the pretender, who who killed the king and seized the throne. Not the king, he's still alive. Or the queen, maybe. Oh, or a princess. Mm. Yes, see how? The Skaldicus daughter. And now, the pretender finds himself in league with a, a, a dark knight that he can't control. Mm -hmm. Wayum. It's not a bad story. Epic, really. What else can you tell us? Mm -hmm. It was amazing. They pieced together the entire story of how Damar came to power. Wayun is the dark prince, Skaldukat is the deposed king, Damar is the pretender to the throne, and Zial is the innocent princess he murdered. And now the pretender is racked with guilt over what he's done. And they got all this just from watching Damar's speech? Oh, they were fascinated by the whole thing. They kept bombarding me with questions about Cardassia and the war. I've never seen them so engaged. And you want to keep them engaged? I'd like to try. I'm just running out of material. What do you mean? Well, they've already gone through everything the computer has on Cardassia and the Dominion. Roll out the red carpet. Visitors? Starfleet has decided to listen to what Damar has to say. He and Wayun will be arriving in the morning. And I am the lucky one who gets a chance to sit across the table from them. That's great. It's hard to believe that the Dominion really wants peace. I wouldn't be surprised if they were just stalling for time in order to regroup. So is there any chance I can get a transcript in the negotiations? You can do better than that. The Dominion has insisted on recording the proceedings so that everyone can see that their desire for peace is sincere. Perfect. You shouldn't have agreed to that, Benjamin. Now you'll have to be on your best behavior. <laughs> so the Pretender and his Dark Knight are coming to the station. Hmm? And the story's not over, huh? Peace talks. See, they're they're just hungry so. for for something parties, to use their brain power on. Seats. I mean, that they don't usually get. They are locked up, and and so that you know, they have all this intuition and knowledge, and and you know, just brain power that they can bring to bear on things like this. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I find this episode uh, interesting. Is like, major. I'm surprised no well, one wants to use them in, in certain capacities. Can I give you a word of advice, Wayu? By all means. You're welcome to play your little we're all friends here game with me, but I wouldn't try it with Captain Sisko. He's not in the mood. We're on a mission of peace, Major. Maybe he should get in the mood. This is the border as it existed before hostilities broke out. 
This is the border we are now proposing. Here's Demar, played by Casey Biggs, who I really like as a character in, the, in this control. role here. On the balance, we are giving up more than you. Computer, freeze program. Computer. Hi, uh, listen, go to native language mode and replay time code 761 through uh, uh, 769. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about Casey Biggs is he he eventually married um, Roxanne Dawson, who played Bellana on Voyager. Eventually married him, but they got divorced later. Since this morning, that phrasing is only used to make a request, not a statement. They are up to something. <laughs> yes, they are up to something. Of course, they are. Jack, Patrick? they're you know Did the you enemy. Something? You can tell us. They want the Cabral system. How do you know? They kept avoiding it with their eyes. Are you sure? They kept avoiding it. Told you they were up to something. Mm -hmm. End program. All right, they won the Cabral system, but why? I don't know, but they're willing to give up a lot to get it. The Mizanite deposits on Holnafor alone are enough to keep their shipyards running for years. Yes, yes, yes. That's typical Dominion strategy. They offer to give up something valuable in order to hide the fact that they want something even more valuable in the long term. <laughs> See, that's how they think. <laughs> Big picture. They don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. No, no, no. They're thinking long term. They're thinking what's going to happen a year from now, uh, uh, a decade, a century. <laughs> yes, yes. There yeah, he's right about that. about the Cabral system. Nothing on the first planet but some simple protozoids and trinucleic fungi. The second planet has some cormeline deposits, but they're common enough. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe there's another reason. Hmm? Does it have any strategic value? Mm -hmm. Not that I can see. They wouldn't want to build a base there. Lauren here is played by Hillary Shepard Turner. And Serena is played by Faith Sally. All these uh, characters come back for an episode in season seven, too. Does this have anything to do with what we're talking about, Serena? Can we take it? Like an ancient technology. Serena is probably no the most extreme of all of them. She's kind of autistic in a way and doesn't want to look at you or talk or anything. Chemistry was never my strong suit. What is it? It shows how you can break down trinucleic fungus to make uridium bicantazine, one of the active ingredients in Ketrosol White. That's why the Dominion wants the Cabral system so that they can manufacture the drug right here in the Alpha Quadrant. According to our calculations, they'll be able to manufacture enough to supply the Jem'Hadar indefinitely. I was going to recommend that the Federation accept the proposed border. It could have cost us the Alpha Quadrant. Actually, sir, we should give them Cabral. Why is that? If we don't, the Dominion will be forced to attack before their stockpile of white runs out. Here are the casualty projections, as you can see. An attack would result in devastating casualties for both sides. You're suggesting we stall? It will buy us time to rebuild our defenses and bring the Romulans into the Alliance. The Romulans? According to our analyses... There it is. They'll vote to abandon their non-aggression pact with the Dominion at next year's plenary session. By which time, internal pressures between the Cardassians and the Dominion will have erupted. And after three years, six months and 27 days, we predict that... Uh... Uh, hang on a minute, Doctor. How'd you come up with all this? Two days ago, you said these people were impossible to deal with. Now they're turning out projections that it would take Starfleet intelligence months to come up with. Yeah, Mutants? they're good. They're that good. They're not exactly qualified for this kind of work, and it could be said that uh, it is beyond the limits of what people like us should be allowed to do. But I think if you allow me to walk you through our analyses, 
You'll be impressed. All right, Doctor, go ahead. Thank you, sir. The way our statistical analysis works, the further into the future you go, the more accurate the projection. It's based on a kind of non-linear dynamics, whereby small fluctuations tend to factor out over time. The net result... Just a minute, is... Doctor. Why don't we go back to the beginning and take me through this step by step? Nice and easy. Gladly, sir. Captain Sisko said he would take our analysis to Starfleet Command right away. Imagine that. Starfleet Command. All those admirals. It's a party! It is now. We need music. Computer, music. Make it grand. A loss. Of course, this is, uh, you know, Strauss's work. Also, um, it's usually called uh, the Blue Danube most of the time people refer to it. Used in 2001, most people realize. And this is the only time in the episode Lauren will stand up because she dances with Bashir here. And Jack just keeps drinking some champagne. I guess one of the things that came up during this episode was where to put these people uh, when they were on DS9. They, they were thinking of the cargo bay. Come in. Uh, you know, they, they thought of a wardroom. Eventually, they ended up in this sort of large I, uh, quarters kind of area. I need to replace that power coupling. Don't mind us. Anson Williams uh, also went on to direct another episode later of DS9 called. Uh, it's only a paper mill. Uh, no thanks. It's a party. No, I need to get to work. I didn't mean to. It's just that I, I need to get this coupling replaced. Patrick is supposed to be sort of like a, a child think, almost. Nothing. Where that he has very raw emotions. He doesn't like me. Sure I do. <laughs> See? The chief doesn't like any of us. Do you, chief? Julian, he's just jealous you're spending so much time with us. His wife's away. He misses his friend. I do not. It's all right, Julian. Go play with your friend. We'll be fine. <laughs> What's kind of interesting about no. this episode, now that I'm watching it yes, here again, that I find is that they're, let's go to for being so, have I'm weird the, emotions you know, and you know, weird wrong with that power lack of like people skills, most of the intuition things and insights that they gather by watching it's going to have people to be are, sometime. are things related to how well you would ready? be with people, right? You know what I'm saying? Kind yeah, of like... Ready, yeah. It's not facts and information, it's more intuition, Sorry. nuance, and things. The last thing the things. world I wanted to do was upset them. Oh, it's all right. But I guess it the kind of still Patrick works. The so emotional is because he likes you. He does? Oh, yeah, they all do. Well, because I got rid of that noise? No, no, it's not just that. They feel comfortable being around you. What was the word Jack used? 
uncomplicated. <laughs> uncomplicated. Yeah. Oh yes, they're amazingly insightful. They have ways of seeing things other people don't. And saying things other people don't. They are pretty candid, aren't they? <laughs> they sure are. Funny thing is, I'm actually beginning to enjoy their company. Hey, what are you doing? Get back. You know, I was thinking, Starfleet Command might do all right to take them on as a team of advisors. Oh, I don't know. Well, I can't imagine them in a room with a bunch of admirals. Unless they're going to teach about a dance. <laughs> we were celebrating. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. The chief makes Bashir throw his darts further back to make it more uh, really equivalent so they have I mean, once we actually you know, started better working, game here. We were on the same wavelength, talking in shorthand, finishing each other's sentences. I've never had that with anyone else. Well, after being with them, I can understand how the rest of us must seem a little uncomplicated. Well, I wouldn't say that exactly. More like slow. <laughs> Must be very frustrating for you. <laughs> I don't mind. It makes me feel superior. Oh, glad to be of service. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's not always easy walking amongst the common people. Yeah, it's probably best to keep your expectations low. Hmm? Ah, that way we can surprise you every now and then. <sighs> Another game? Sure. But do I have to stand so far back? Oh, come on. I make one lucky shot, and you're ready to come down to my level. I like to win, just like the next man. Get back there, come on. I've got good news. Starfleet Command was so impressed with our analysis, they've agreed to let us have access to classified information regarding Starfleet's battle readiness. Is something wrong? We have new long-term projections. You, you better take a look. You're not gonna like it. Yeah, this, um, I remember this now, that they basically, I think they make a, they made a mistake. Something they didn't account for, if I remember right. Well, mm -mm. everything checks out. I was hoping you were going to find a flaw. Nope. So then you agree with our conclusion? Mm -hmm. It's inescapable. There's no way the Federation is going to be able to beat the Dominion. We have no choice. We're going to have to surrender. Yeah, well, that is not going to happen. Surrender to the Dominion. Not on my watch. Sir, I understand how you feel. I don't like it any more than you do. But it's the best option. We've run dozens of different scenarios, even if something unlikely were to happen tilting the scales in our favor, such as an anti-Dominion coup on Cardassia, we'll still lose this war. But that doesn't mean we just give up and roll over. But if we fight, there will be over 900 billion casualties. If we surrender, no one dies. Either way, we're in for five generations of dominion. Some of the calculations and things of, of history here and how civilization moves is, is related to uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. And the ability to predict the future. But since we can't win this war, why don't we save as many lives as we can? Yeah, in the first draft of this, the Savants were in a think tank, and then they were recruited and trained by Starfleet, and then they were on an intelligence mission to uh, Deep Space Nine under the supervision of Bashir. Probabilities and assumptions. They're not just assumptions. If you want me to take you through the equations, and these I will. characters were kind of neurotic, it didn't really make sense Starfleet had entrusted to them to this, so they changed the plot a little. generation of people to voluntarily give up their freedom. Not even to save over 900 billion lives. Surrender is not an option. 
Now, I'm happy to hear your group's advice on how to win this war, but I don't need your advice on how to lose it. We can't win this war. I don't care if the odds are against us. If we're going to lose, then we're going to go down fighting, so that when our descendants someday rise up against the Dominion, they'll know what they're made of. With all due respect, sir, aren't you letting your pride get in your way? All right, Doctor. You've made your recommendation. I'll pass it on to Starfleet Command. Without adding your voice to it, they'll dismiss it out of hand. I'm counting on it. So we go down fighting. How terribly courageous of us. Yeah, there's, you know, one little trick with that is, is that, you know, you can't really see every possibility. And there's been lots of examples in history of battles and wars and things that have happened where it looked, you know, hopeless. And it looked like there was no way, you know, that they could win against, you know, certain situations and, and people have. Think? So. It's pretty grim. So it's, it's, it's there's not without precedent. It's hopeless. It doesn't look like it, does it? We have to avoid a long, drawn-out war. You mean surrender? I know. It's an ugly word. But the facts are facts. I don't know, Julian. Don't tell me you agree with the captain. I suppose I do. Is there some part of the analysis you didn't understand? Because if there is, I'd be happy to explain. I understood it perfectly. Believe it or not. That's not what I meant. All I'm saying is... There was another draft, too, where, where Julian got to know each of these savants through records and things before they came on the station, and they decided to cut to. that out and just throw them right into it. the way it. you're acting, you think nobody with half a brain could possibly disagree with you? Frankly, I don't see how they can. Well, I can see two possible explanations for it. Either I'm even more feeble-minded than you ever realized, or you're not as smart as you think you are. Yeah, what they foresee or don't really, again, is the unknown. There are always unknown possibilities like out day. there Please. that they can't really and account for from individuals and things and that's something that you can't predict really accurately perfectly i play no matter how well i hedge my bets i'm going to lose why are you trying to spoil everyone's good time look around these people are enjoying themselves half of them know the odds are against them but they don't care they're here because they want to believe they can win is that so bad they're fools why don't you just take your winnings and call it a day because i'm trying to prove a point there is no way to win stop saying that there you see we're all as good as dead doctor take it easy it's just a game you're right it's not as if 900 billion lives were at stake. Yeah, this is uh, one of uh, Alexander Siddig's, who plays Bashir, one of his favorite episodes. He says many times at cons it's kind and of things. A in a way. I mean, who wants to wave a white flag? They're the cowards. They don't have the courage to see the truth. You may be right, but there's nothing we can do. No, no, no. We can't just take this lying down. The stakes are too high. We've got to take matters into our own hands. How, Jack? What can we do? We can't force Starfleet to surrender. 
If we can't head off the war, then there might be a way to make it a lot less bloody. How? Look at this. Starfleet battle plans, uh, fleet deployments. Do you know what the Dominion could do with this information? They could take the Alpha Quadrant in a matter of weeks. With a lot fewer Federation casualties than in a drawn-out war. There wouldn't be more than two billion casualties. That's a lot better than 900 billion. Wait a minute. It's one thing for us to try and avert a war, but it's quite another for us to take it on ourselves, to trigger an invasion that's going to get a lot of people killed. It's not our place to decide who lives and who dies. We're not gods. Maybe not. It's a very classic Star Trek thing. You know, to decide, like, who lives, who dies. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one. It's not our decision to make. We presented our case to Starfleet. They rejected it. Case closed. Not closed. This is the thing that, you know, the genetically enhanced can't accept when someone tells them no or they're wrong. You know, one of the things that led to the eugenics wars, you know... No! Haven't you been listening? This is the difference Fire. between Bashir and these people, especially. And Jack just slugged Bashir and knocked him out. So how do we contact the Dominion? And and they um, obviously have their own plan here to, to, you know, go around Starfleet. Still at it, I see. I've been looking over Cisco's latest. You got Wayun and Damar here talking about the plans. Not very encouraging, is it? I don't know why you had me call for peace talks in the first place. My, my. How quickly you've taken to your new role. And to think only a short time ago you were nothing more than Gul Dukat's adjutant. I appreciate the faith you've shown in me. Then show some faith in me. Don't be like your predecessor. Second-guessing my every move. It should be clear to you by now that no one is irreplaceable. Now, I just received a very interesting message from an unidentified party claiming to have some information that could be very beneficial to us. What sort of information? I don't know, but we're going to find out. So we're back in the quarters where the enhanced people have been hanging out, and Bashir's tied up to a chair right now. Computer. Computer, respond. Serena, where is everyone? And everyone else is gone, just Bashir and Serena sitting they over there. They meeting with the Dominion. Stop them before it's too late. Untie me. Please, Serena. You don't want the deaths of so many people on your hands. It's Jack, isn't it? Are you worried what he'll think? I've seen the way you look at him when you think no one's watching. I know how much you care. But if you don't help me stop them, you know what's gonna happen? gonna be arrested and charged with treason and you're never gonna see any of them again you're never gonna see Jack again and that kind of got through to her I'm Patrick Patrick come on so Patrick and Jack and Lauren are now going to uh, try to meet with 
the Dominion, but of course Bashir is there and stops Hello, him. Everyone. He's not supposed to be here. No, 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 he's not. I, I, I don't understand. Well, why don't we all go back to your quarters and I will explain it to you. No, we've got to do this. Lives are at stake. Don't interfere, Julie. You have no right. You're in enough trouble already, Jack. Don't make it any worse. Now we can do this the easy way, or the hard way. It's up to you. Where are they? They'll be here. Ah, uh, no, they probably Storage won't be there. A secret meeting. I'm not some agent of the Obsidian Order. I'm the leader of the Cardassian Empire. Don't let it go to your head. You serve only at the Dominion's pleasure. Besides, I think it's exciting. They're here. Yeah, Damar has basically become the leader of the Cardassian Union here. Hodo. Yes, I know. I honor you with my presence. We seem to have gotten ourselves lost. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not coming. Who's not coming? I had a feeling you were going to say that. Shall I escort you to your quarters? Captain Zisco has decided not to press charges. He won't be going to prison. What are they going to do to us? Nothing bad. He'll be going back to the Institute together. It doesn't matter what happens to us. Don't you realize what you've done? Hmm? I kept you from committing treason. Are we supposed to thank you? 900 billion people are going to die. We don't know that. Didn't you sit here and go through the projections with us? Mm -hmm -hmm. Didn't you? He was here, Jack. I remember. Maybe our projections were wrong. How can you say that? We factored in every contingency, hmm? every variable. The equations no. don't lie. No. You. You. You ruined everything. Sort of like the what butterfly effect. That? Jack, why didn't you anticipate that? Why didn't you factor her into your equation? Because you thought you knew everything. But you didn't even know what was going to happen in this room. One person derailed your plans. One person changed the course of history. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me think that maybe, just maybe, things may not turn out the way we thought. Yeah, I like the idea there, one person being able to make a difference like that. I think that's an important point, a very Star Trek again point. There's a lot of very classic Star Trek themes and, and ideas in this episode. Genetic enhancement, what to do with yeah, it, one individual, the needs of the many. I was talking about when you had to decide whether or not to meet with the Dominion. Can't have been easy for you. I know you wanted to try to save as many lives as possible. That's probably what makes you such a good doctor. Mm. Fortunately, this doctor is also a Starfleet officer. We thought we were so smart. We thought we could predict the future. It's my fault, not theirs. I should never have let things go so far. If I hadn't been so bent on trying to prove to the world that they had something to contribute, they did contribute. It seems to me we've become far too complacent about the Dominion. We may have driven them back into Cardassian space, but we haven't beaten them yet. I can only hope. Well, the odds are stacked against us. 
All we can do is give it our best shot. And they did predict a few things correctly. You know, the Romulans eventually join with the Federation against the Dominion. That happens. And and just the idea that certain people, certain key people like Cisco You're and others on, trouble, on DS9 can time. change the future. I'll double down. Risky. Maybe there's a better bet. But sometimes when the odds are so stacked against you, you just got to take a chance. I admire your courage. Double. Oh, what do you know? We have a winner. O'Brien to Bashir. Go ahead. You wanted to know when a certain transport was leaving. Oh, thanks. There is one problem, though. We've got some passengers that are refusing to board unless you come see them. I didn't think you'd want to see me again. Believe me, I wouldn't mind if our predictions turned out to be wrong. Jack's still furious, but I didn't want to leave with that thing aboard. Oh, so Lauren gives Bashir a kiss Will here. Will you come visit her? <laughs> Before what? he leaves, or she leaves. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd like that. I was glad they brought these back, these characters back in another episode in the next season. It, did the right thing. It's a real interesting group. I really like them. I, I'd love to have seen one of them turn up like on one of the later Trek shows. So, you ready to go? Not so fast. There's one thing I need to know, Doctor. If we can come up with a way to beat the Dominion, will you listen? I can't think of anything I'd like better. Good, good, good. All right, let's go then. Let's go. A shit to O'Brien. Fought to be mounted. He gave them basically a new idea to work on, a new, a new project, something to occupy themselves. And that's, I think, important to, you know, to give people like that something to work on and do, make them feel like they're a part of things. And uh, it's, it's a real cool episode, real good episode. All right, let me dial this music back a little bit. Yeah, statistical probabilities, you know, this idea of this enhanced group coming to DS9. There are a couple different ideas for the draft. Like I said, they were going to show up as more or less working for Starfleet as sort of consultants slash agents and not be this crazy group that just shows up. But they, they didn't think that really worked or made sense for Starfleet to be using them like that. So them showing up and being this little group that Bashir has to work with and they get involved with what's going on with the Dominion and the war and their predictions. Like I said, if you've ever read Isaac Asimov's The Foundation Trilogy, and what happens in there with psychohistory and mass action and what people can predict. Selden's uh, psychohistory in that series of books, that trilogy, which is a classic trilogy. You should definitely read it. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to those. The ability for people to predict the future based on events and things that people do. But it gets kind of messed up when, when you are, think about individuals and how much one individual can make a difference or change things in, in a way. Like I recently read the um, Stephen King book, 112263, which is this time travel thing about stopping the JFK assassination, which is a great book. Uh, but one of the real themes in that book is this idea of how certain individuals can have a, a big impact on things, a bigger impact than you might think. Uh, it's also a theme in Trek 
for many episodes. City on the Edge of Forever with Edith Keeler is another real good example of that, of, of how much one person can change things when you don't really realize that. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a, lot of, uh, a lot of interesting things to think about, and I hope you enjoyed uh, my commentary. And then I'm going to take um, now just a real brief break, and I'll come back and we'll wrap up the podcast for this week. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela from the Anomaly Podcast. And you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that look at uh, the DS9 episode Statistical Probabilities from Season 6 of that series. I I think it's a cool episode. One of the weird things about that, it was another one of those circumstances, and I think this is just after you do the podcast or do a podcast like I have for so long, covering so many Trek episodes and other subjects, you start to... They, they start to blend a little together, and I'm like, I really thought I had covered this episode at some time in the past. And I looked through my list of uh, podcasts, and I couldn't find it. If, if I've slipped up and somehow I did cover this before, I apologize, but I don't think so. I, I looked pretty closely this morning before I did this to make sure uh, that wasn't the case. But for some reason, that episode, th- this is one of those episodes that really sticks in my mind. I think it's because it's kind of different. And I thought I had podcasted about this one before, but I guess not. So uh, it's a good one. It's a real good one. I love the characters. I love the, you know, the the fact this is kind of a different episode, especially set during the sixth season where the war was going on so heavily. All right, coming up on the show next week, you're going to have a very special podcast. This is one that's been a long time in coming. Uh, they've been talking about this for a while. We have a couple of uh comic guys along uh, you know i'm a pretty big comic fan and maybe I'll, I'll i'll get them a little audio clip to slip into the guest show next week but chris and will are going to be here to talk about star trek and in the world of comics star trek comics and i'm really looking forward to that i've read a lot of comics over the years well tons of comics and a lot of trek ones and there's a lot of really cool trek comics going on right now two miniseries in particular besides the regular series by idw and i'm sure they're going to touch on those uh you know, next week on the show. So that's next week. Uh, that's on the 18th. And on the 25th, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, for those of us in the States, <clears throat> I think I'm losing my voice this morning a little bit. I'm going to do an episode uh, covering a, a, a classic sci-fi movie, something that, uh, again, it's it's one of those, I, I can't believe I haven't covered this yet, ever. But for some reason, this popped into my head recently, and I wanted to cover this classic. I'm going to cover Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that Steven Spielberg movie uh, from, uh, when did that come out? 78? I think it was the year after Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie. I think it was 78. Uh, I'm going to cover that on the podcast on the 25th. So that's just the next couple of weeks coming up on the show. I'll have uh, the December things uh, for you uh, as well coming up, uh, what's coming on that month. Uh, in regards to that, two other little announcements that I wanted to mention. Probably should have talked about this earlier in the show. Hopefully all of you are still listening, of course. Uh, two things. One, I'm working on some uh, new shirts for the podcast. I've done t-shirts, a few runs of t-shirts in the past, three or four different versions, and we haven't done one in a while. And what I have in mind this time is doing something a little bit more 
high end, a little bit more classy. And I'm, I'm creating probably going to be an embroidered polo shirt with a little like Delta Shield Trek style logo, along with just a, a simple uh, Treks and Sci-Fi podcast thing underneath with maybe the URL uh, under that as well. If you want to see examples of that, there are pictures on the forum, also on the Facebook page. Uh, that's going to get finalized hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I need to have, though, a, a count of people who are interested. So I'll, I'll probably post something new on the Facebook page, something new on the forum soon and trying to get a count because the, the number of people that will get a shirt or want to order one of these shirts will determine the end price. The more people we get involved, the cheaper the price is the way it works. So I, I need at least a couple dozen, well, not a couple dozen, maybe a dozen, I think, to get kind of a minimum order in. But uh, anyway, that is uh, one thing. The other one is if you are someone on the forum in particular, or if you want to join the forum, we just do it really for forum folks. Uh, that's the way we can kind of keep in touch with each other. But we're going to do another Secret Santa this year. Uh, where we basically I randomize the people who want to be involved in this. I randomly select people to buy a small gift for someone else. And then we'll probably do a special little video podcast about that around Christmas time. So it was a lot of fun. We did it last year. Really, really fun uh, time for that. And uh, we're going to do it again this year. So there's a thread going on the forum right now. If you're interested, please, please just mention that you're interested in there. And then sometime probably by about Thanksgiving weekend in a couple of weeks, I'll finalize that and get everybody the um, the name of the person they're buying for. So that's coming up uh, as well. So lots of stuff this week to talk about. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Always fun to do another show, uh, especially after two weeks of so many things going on in the news and Star Wars movies and a couple of big movies coming out, Cloud Atlas and Bond and, and all kinds of cool geeky topics. I mean, it's a great time to be a geek. There's been a lot of cool TV shows. Uh, I didn't talk much about it, but I'm really enjoying Arrow still and a lot of other TV on right now. Fringe has been great, Grimm. Uh, a lot of great shows to watch. Clone Wars cartoon is still fun. That's on Saturday mornings. So, uh, you know, great time. I mean, again, I always am amazed at how much great stuff we have these days as compared to when I was young and growing up in, in a time where all I had were Star Trek reruns. Oh, boy, that was, uh, you know, ugh, that was a rough time to be a geek. So... Anyway, uh, everyone, have a great week ahead. Uh, we uh, will be talking to you again next week with a guest spot uh, on Trek Comics and then two weeks Close Encounters with me. If you want to send an audio comment, always treksf at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to do a donation or any other information you need on any of that, uh, just go to treksinsci-fi.com. Go to the main page. All kinds of links there for good stuff. So take care, everyone. Have a great time this week. Uh, I'll talk to you in two weeks, uh, and you'll be here next week with Will and Chris talking about comics. Take care. Bye-bye. Because a princess isn't always easy. Choosing which shoes to use is hard. I kissed my brother. Ew, you little hoe. What? I didn't know. Fine, we'll let it go. Sometimes a princess gets to be the hero. She gets to fight and save the day. Now you are ready. You are one of us so welcome. Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dosti and other special guests. We would love to hear from you. Write to us today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. Space, the final frontier.
2012. All rights reserved. Treks in sci-fi.